Where's Rigged been? You're undoubtedly asking yourself right now. Well, it turns out Rigged was a lot of work. Additional work besides rolling a handful of dice and telling a story. So, while Feckless Mom Studio is currently three brothers in three separate locations, we've put Rigged on indefinite hiatus. But the ball is rolling to get us together to create this awesome content in a more energetically logical way, with much less extraneous effort in regards to the editing and production. Basically, that's, that's me, that's Nick. I have a two-year-old and a wife who has hobbies, so we gotta share, that's all. That being said, we do have an absolutely awesome replacement cast to get you through this trying time. Those goofballs who brought you rigged are proud to present Random Encounters. I have nearly every D&D monster manual published, so every week I'm going to do a deep dive into one randomly chosen monster from a randomly chosen manual. Matt and Brandon and I will discuss the merits, weaknesses, how one would use this critter as a DM, and even speculate on how you'd play it as a character. Be sure to find Feckless Moans' random encounters in your cast catcher of choice and subscribe, so you don't miss a single monster audibly delivered directly to your ear holes. Hi there. Before we get into random encounters this week, we wanted to tell you about another podcast that you should be listening to. Nick, what's it called? It's called Talk Tull to Me. Hey, Omen, what's it about? Okay, so each week, you and I sit down and discuss a song from the decades-spanning prog rock band Jethro Tull. That is insanely right. Each week <laughs> is the next song chronologically released from their first album in 1968 all the way to present. It's going to take us forever. So subscribe to Talk Tall to Me wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by the Feckless Moms Audio Network. FecklessMoms.com Alright, welcome back, my fine townsfolk. Episode 3 of Random Encounters. I am your host, Nick. I'm Matt. And I'm Brandon. And we are the Brothers McGill, and we are here to pick a random monster from a random monster manual and talk about it and discuss. Got a lot of crazy, creative ideas in the last two episodes, and I'm looking forward to discovering a monster that we have never seen before and going to town. So without any more preamble, let's dive right in. This week... Out of the 21 monster manuals that I have, we have uh, Dungeons & Dragons 3.5, monster manual number 5. Uh, let's see, we have page 29 pulled from there, and that gives us the Solomith. It is a demon, particularly... The way the three fives are set up, it gives you like the 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 demon top heading and then at least half a dozen specific types of demons under that demon heading. But the Solomith doesn't have. Yeah, it doesn't have anything. Oh, nope, it does. It does. Never mind. Incorrect. I'll read the I'll read the flavor text anyway, even though I biffed it. 
<laughs> A corpulent monstrosity, at least 10 feet tall, lumbers forward on slab-like legs. Rings of flabby flesh cradle its horned head. Pressing out against the green vein and pallid skin of its great gut are screaming faces. <laughs> the Solomith. You guys wouldn't have gotten the name anyway. Sounds like Marlon Brando in his later work. In um, uh, Island of Dr. Moreau. I, I, yeah. yeah. Today, Rook has this little white kind of fedora thing. That today he was walking around with it on outside and he looked like the little mini me from Island of Dr. Moreau. Oh, man. <laughs> it, was, it was pretty great. So this is 3-5. This is our first foray into middle classic D&D. I cut my teeth on 3-5. And don't regret leaving it one bit, to be honest. The numbers are bananas. This thing looks really cool. Does it looks almost like something out of Diablo? Yeah, definitely. It it's one of those things that will explode after you kill it and like yeah. the screaming faces like fly out as ghost heads or something. Yes, exactly. They are pretty cool. They as a they have Is there a difficulty on this guy? <laughs> Ooh, okay, interesting. They have this is the first time I've seen this in in the manual, so this must be a 3-5 thing. Advancement, you can up their size. So it's normally a medium. If you want to make it large, you give it between 12 to 22 hit dice. And if you want to make it a huge creature, you give it 23 to 33 hit dice. Wow. So these guys speak abyssal, celestial, draconic, and have telepathy of 100 feet. They have an AC of 21, which means they must be high, because we saw 6 gave us... I mean, granted, he was a little guy, but his AC was 16, so this has to be upwards of 10, right? They can be summoned. An evil spellcaster can summon a solomith using summon monster... Spell level, summon summon monster eight or higher level. Yeah. Yeah, treat the Solomith as if it were an eighth level list on the summon monster table. I would think. Yeah, yeah. these guys are, are pretty. And they can, they can also summon Tanari, which I'm assuming are another type of demon. They're, they're nasty little buggers. Yeah. Oh, so here's some lore. With a DC of 18 on a lore check, uh, Knowledge Planes, they can learn that it's a Solomith, it's a demon from the infinite layers of the Abyss. Stupid but tough, Solomiths are, unlike other Tanari, immune to fire. They're susceptible to cold, even though they are resistant to minor amounts of cold damage. Oh, that's weird. Yeah, they resist cold... But they're vulnerable to cold. That's really weird. That's interesting. I gotta bulk up on three five lore or uh, numbers and stuff. If they get a 
23 on their, their knowledge planes, a Solomith can pound its foes with slams, but it normally attacks by tearing chunks out of its body and throwing them. That's awesome. Those fleshy bits explode. Those fleshy bits explode into flames that can harm even those who are normally immune to fire. That feels super Diablo to me, Brando. Yeah. Uh, and then at, at 28, if you really put your points into knowledge planes, a Solomith's injuries knit closed at a remarkable rate, which oh. is their, they have fast healing five, which I'm assuming fast healing is just every turn they heal five. <laughs> Magic weapons or good aligned weapons work best against, against a Solomith, but whenever it's injured in melee, it can emit a cone of its corrupt fire. So you just split it open and fire just spews out of it. Yeah, every time you hit it. Yeah. So back to the uh, DC-18. It referred to unlike other Tanari. So basically the Tanari is the Solomith's genus. Mm. And the Solomith is the species. Wow. So it falls under the umbrella of the Ptolemyth. I'm sorry, <laughs> the Tanari type creature. Mm-hmm. So maybe there there are others that focus on other things. It's demon Tanari Solomith. Yeah. Okay. Wow. They are animalistic and savage, except when they eat. <laughs> so they're dainty when they eat, I suppose. <laughs> Pinky, um, pinkies up. Pinkies, pinkies up. Pinkies up. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's see. So they have they have soul fire as a standard action that provokes attacks of opportunity. That's cool. Huh. A Solomith can deal itself five points of damage to tear flesh from its body and hurl that flesh up to 100 feet with perfect accuracy. And then get that five points back with fast healing. Yep. When it lands, the flesh explodes in a 20-foot radius burst dealing 46 points of damage, half of which is fire damage. Holy God. They're immune to their own soul fire. The, let's see, by dealing itself an extra five points of damage, and Solomith can widen the burst to a 40-foot radius. Oh, my God. But, okay, by dealing itself an extra 10 points of damage, a Solomith can make the burst deal maximum damage. Wow. Wow. So if it's dealing, let's see, 10, if it's dealing 20 damage to itself, it can do at 100 feet, a 40 foot burst of, what do we say? 4d6, so 24 damage to everybody in that. Wow. From 100 yeah. feet away. From 100 feet. And by the time you get there, it's it's fully healed with that fast healing. Exactly. Healing. That's insane. A Solomith can use both of these abilities on the same soul fire attack, but takes damage for each. So yeah, it stacks. When a Solomith takes damage from an opponent's melee attack, it can unleash a 15-foot cone of soul fire as a swift action on its next turn. Okay, so it doesn't do it every single time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If, if it gets hit three times leading up to its turn, it can only do that one time. Mm-hmm. So that's a little bit of... A consolation. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. And it has it has a 40% chance to summon 1d2 Solomiths. Wow. The Solomith can summon a Solomith? 
Yep, it can do that once per day. That's insane. It's a manifestation of depraved gluttony and burning hunger, drawing energy from the spirits it devours. Oh that power charges its flesh with spiritual fire, which it uses against its enemies by tearing away and hurling bits of its own body. Wow. wow. These are cool. They have some really cool demons. They really do. This reminds me of, in Diablo 3, I think it's Baal, which is the one that has like, sort of like the crab legs. But it's the big fat yes. thing. It's the it's the god or the lord of of gluttony. It's glutton. Yeah. I don't I don't remember if that's ball or not, but but yeah, it definitely feels that way. It's bipedal, but still, right. It's just that big. I mean, it's a big fat creature that it encompasses gluttony. It, it it's just the it's just yeah. the epitome of it. And it has the cleave ability. Uh huh. So it can it can swing through. Wow. Yep. So no matter what, it's hitting multiple people. Whether it's a melee attack, whether it's a a, a ranged chuck your body at people attack. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Soul fire or the soul fire retort. That's the cone. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. This is this is cool. It's cool. And I wonder. Let's see. So, uh, Solomith Society. Solomiths don't have strong egos. They're content to prowl the abyss, devouring other creatures instinctively and paying no heed to the suffering they cause. When in the presence of a more powerful demon or evil entity, a Solomith fawns and snivels, hoping to be taken in as a pet or prized soldier. Well then. So it doesn't say anything about... Uh, oh, here we go. Solomiths can be found throughout the infinite layers of the abyss, wandering as fierce hunters across the blasted wasteland. That, to me, makes it sound like they're solitary. However, large numbers of Solomiths, enslaved by more powerful demons, serve as artillery in armies or as sentries. Duh. Like, why wouldn't you want one of these guys as your artillery? Mm -hmm. That's really cool. It's crazy that something that powerful is then enslaved by something even more powerful. Yeah, what what enslaves a Solomith? Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, that's bonkers. These things are, are really cool. These things are really cool. I wish. Oh, there it is. CR8. It's a CR8. That makes sense if it's summon monster eight. Yeah. Oh yeah. I guess so. Yeah. And it kind of, it makes sense in terms of the, where the, um, if we're looking at that, the CR6 that we saw just last week. Yep. Yeah. These are guys are cool. Now the, I guess, I guess I'm not all too familiar and i know that that was last week was 5e versus the 35 mm-hmm. this being a cr8 giant freaking thing mm-hmm. only has uh 17 more i'm sorry 18 more hit points than the than last week well they in terms of calculating numbers things have been tweaked over the years okay i kind of figured and on top of that though only being a little bit more, a little, a little bit higher in hit points, it also does have that fast healing. So that's true. In the long run, it could end up being almost two hundred hit points versus the one fifteen that it begins with. You know, if it's a long enough battle. Yeah, if it keeps just stacking it, uh, stacking them back on. Right. It'll it'll never overheal, but still, it can always. It'll right, feel like two hundred. Yeah, I get you right. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. yeah, it's a slog. Yeah, I mean, I mean, maybe the maybe 
maybe it's a strategic thing. Yeah. Um, in terms now it would be really cool if it had the, if it did like explode or something when it was killed, um, which would be a nice tool for the DM to make it hurt itself to do those, those really cool bursts of damage. And then once it, it makes itself low and then once the, the party takes it out, then it still explodes and, and hits them again. That'd be a, a cool effect. It'd be, it'd be really crappy, though. If mm-hmm. you think about it as an artillery-type creature, they're, they're the archers. You can chuck pieces of you from oh, 100 sure. feet away, yeah. heal, mm-hmm. but you are kind of squishy. You're not the, the front-line fighter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, that's actually... Reading a little further, they're actually shorter than I thought they would be. By looking at the picture, it says they're 10 feet tall, which... I mean, that's not short, but I kind of pictured it to be this just, you know, almost a 20 foot tall behemoth. And, but that's pretty amazing considering it can hurl its body pieces 10 times its, its height. Yeah. They, they just, because they have, where is it? They have their feet called, oh no, that's for slam. No, I don't know. I have no, I have no explanation for you. (laughs) Big forearms. They have they they're beefy. They they only work on arms. They skip leg day. They look like Peyton Manning. <laughs> he doesn't need to work anything else, does he? Well, not anymore. Yeah. No. No. Nick, did you read into the ecology there after you you said something about they're savage except when they eat, right? Yeah. It kind of explains it a little further in the ecology. Oh, yeah. It says a a solomith tears its victim to pieces but then becomes a dainty eater, chewing slowly and appreciating the spiritual effervescence of each morsel. Hannibal Lecter? Yeah, he he appreciates a good meal. He carries around a flask of Chianti. So I'm going to take the the how would you use this in your game thing, because one of the really nice things about the 3-5 monsters, monster manuals rather, is that there's a section called Strategies and Tactics. Cool. Solomiths don't bother to close with enemies, instead hurling soul fire from the beginning of the combat, which makes absolute sense. Why wouldn't you? That's awesome. Although dim-witted, <laughs> they have keen spatial awareness and an intuitive sense of how to best use this ability. A Solomith opens with a soul fire attack that deals maximum damage, and it increases the area of its soul fire burst whenever doing so allows it to catch more enemies in the blast. So it obviously oh wouldn't pump in those extra points if it doesn't need to. Uh, if it can, it maneuvers to continue using its soul fire as long as possible. And that, and that's just the, the throwing the chunks of itself. A Solomith that has lost more than half its hit points makes the smallest soul fire attacks it can. So there is a little level of not necessarily self-preservation, but it, it's aware that it's it's doing damage to itself. Yeah. It's a kamikaze pilot, but a responsible one. Right, yeah. When forced into melee, a Solomith might still use soul fire, but it can also use its formidable slam, which is just a super powerful hit, I guess. It uses a soul fire cone whenever it can, but maneuvers to catch other foes in the blast. So it's just a really strategic, nasty monster. Yeah. It's it's gruesome. If you were 
in a campaign with other demons, Brandon, and you're playing this guy. I think we pretty much covered it. Okay, so we know how you would fight. We know how you would fight with this. What would your character be as a Solomith? What's his backstory? Oh, oh wow. As a, as, a glu- as a gluttony demon, why is he with this party of other demons of various uh, makeup? I would honestly say you have to stick with greed. Knowing that he, he, he sees something in this uh, party. Mm-hmm that can uh, further feed his greed and further just keep shoving the souls down his throat. Right. Whatever, whatever the, the party is doing, they, there will most likely be souls that are, are destroyed. So why not eat them? Why not go with a party that will, that will allow you to just eat whatever you kill. Right. And you know, they're, although they are not the smartest thing, as, as you said before, they have that spatial awareness. So they have what I think of as they have an instinct. And all things with instinct eventually kind of adapt a little bit and evolve a little bit and gain the ability to find maybe an easier way to get what they want. Yeah. You know, to find their sustenance. It says that they're dim-witted, but they're not... They're above animal level of intelligence. Right, they're not a doorknob. Yeah. So they they do recognize the having the benefit of a party that is basically going to feed you and if it's it's a fair exchange of services. Yeah. I will help you kill these things if you let me eat them. You know, why not? Why not be a part of 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 those those guys? There is a hair on my face. <laughs> there we go. I think I got it. So yeah, it's it is a matter of of opportunity and and convenience for all involved. I would think, right? Yeah, it's kind of a win win situation. Mm-hmm. Very symbiotic. Yeah, very. That's great way to put it. I was looking for great yeah. way to put it. Sure. No, Matt. Yes. With role for autism. Yeah. Would would you would you even? Would you even incorporate this into role for autism? Is it is it too much, do you think? As or a, would you dumb it down? Well, I would definitely dumb it down. And being three five, I'd have to dumb it down quite a bit. I'm oh, sure. okay. So if we if let's pull the let's pull him out and drop him into the the role for autism rules. Gotcha. So yeah. let's not worry about yeah. the, those three thousand extra numbers that you have to to worry about. In terms of a character, it's tough because I. The whole thing with Rolled for Autism is definitely based around kids, Mm -hmm. and you don't want to introduce too much in terms of demons and things like that. Ah, okay. Okay. Incite the satanic panic again, you know? Are you, you're thinking (laughs) as a, as a creature to fight, as an NPC? Like, I would, yeah, as I would just do it as a creature, uh, more than anything. And that's, yeah. That's still tough. <laughs> just just thinking about the mechanics. Take away the demon aspect. Yep. Let's let's look at just mechanics wise. There's the reactive soul fire cone. There's being able to shoot in a in a burst. Yep. From very far away. And then there's a a, a nasty slam attack as well. 
yeah, there's a lot of moving pieces and a lot of things to deal with. I may even dumb it down to remove one of those. Sure. Because you don't want too much to overload the players, but it would definitely be something where you would, as the the dungeon master in that system, you're not railroading the players into what to do, but you would mm-hmm. be gentle reminders, you know, oh, you guys just got in a, a 15-foot cone of flame, make sure that you're using your healing potions, or make sure that you're asking your your cleric for healing wand or something along those lines and just kind of that making sure the players are constantly communicating with one another to best deal with the threat in front of them right it's not an easy encounter for even seasoned players for sure yeah even if you take out one of the soul fires there's still there's they're clearly if they clump they're tar- yes. they're they're a much better target. Exactly. That's a learning experience. That's something that you. Is that something you would push? J- just a gentle nudge, like saying, "Hey, remember last time he shot this thing, and you all got hit because it hit in this area. Maybe, maybe you should break up. Would you Would you go that far? I mean, I I reckon it it ultimately depends on who your players are. Oh yeah, I mean, I I've run. I've run games with players that they basically treat it as a video game and they are master tacticians on their own. And then I've run games with players that are, that need to be nudged for just about everything. So yeah, it would, it might be a gentle nudge. Like, Hey, remember what happened last time? Are you sure you want to stand there? Sure. To, Hey, this, this guy is going to shoot a cone of fire and it's going to hit all of you. Maybe you should change your tactics. Okay. And that's that's when it comes up to their turn, when they're trying to decide what they want to do. Exactly, yeah. You put the onus on the player, for sure, but you try to help them along, because obviously in that system, the whole point is to get them to work together and to get them to exhibit these characteristics and these right. social skills and things like that. Not to... <laughs> Not to have a TPK, you know? Yeah, right. That that among any version of the D&D style role-playing game, that is that is the most important aspect, is for them to learn and grow from it. Not you, You're not just DMing. Exactly. So if you were to rate the Solomith between 1 and 10, Fireflies, how many would you give it? I would... Initially, I would have said 10, but realizing that there are other demons out there that mm. employ this creature, I'm gonna, I'd am gonna i have to drop it to 9, but it is a, it's a solid 9. This is yeah. a scary guy. Yeah, it's for being seemingly like middle management on the totem pole of demons. It's I like, know. it's the boss that you don't, you don't want to mess with. It's the boss yeah. that you don't want to encounter for sure. It's the boss where if, when you get to it, you, and you defeat it. You assume that the end of the uh, the adventure guide or whatever is right around the corner. Yeah. Not that there's something even worse down the hall. You don't expect him to be the janitor, but he is. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. That is the Solomith from uh, 3.5, our first 3.5 critter. It's a, a nasty, fun, Diablo-esque demon.
scored a, a nine. And and when you rated it, Matt, was that based on difficulty, based on nastiness? What do you think? What was the what was the criteria for a nine out of ten fireflies? I'm going nine out of ten fireflies based on nastiness, which you know, difficulty obviously uh factors into that nastiness as well. Sure. Sure, sure. Okay, that's it for this week. That is our monster of the week, our random encounter. Come on back next week. We have a brand new monster to talk about and discuss. And I guarantee, no, I can't guarantee that. But you may not have heard of it. I'm just going to throw that out there. In the meantime, while you're waiting for us, do not be random about it. Be very definitive. And uh, head on over to your cast catcher of choice and give us a rating, a review, a little subscription write it in the Hallmark card that you're going to give your mother for her birthday. She'll really appreciate it. And that wraps that up this week. So I'm Nick. I'm Matt. And I'm Brandon. And this is Random Encounters. Feckless Bones is a proud member. Nope. Random encounters. Of the random encounters. <laughs> <laughs> random encounters is a proud member of the Feckless Moms Audio Network.